The wisdom of silence, letting ourselves be found. We long for silence. We fear silence. We say that we need to go on retreat, leave the world behind, that we are burned out and must restore ourselves. Then, unless we are very courageous, we tiptoe around our deep hunger. We slice it into manageable doses. A spa day here, a short weekend trip there, a walk in the country. I know very few on the spiritual journey who are able to enter silence the way every great mystic in history has done and instruct that we, too, must do. Our fear is that we won't survive the encounter with our own demons, shadows, griefs. We aren't sure there is anything beyond those tunnels of regret. We fear what a poet friend of mine recently and eloquently wrote, the torrent, 40 days and 40 nights could not contain dredged up wrongs, failings, faults, lapses, flood away the stains. 40 years hard labor would not redeem this wilderness wandering. There is good reason to fear the failure to be redeemed of all that we have suffered and all that we have caused of suffering. The heart of the desert is a vast emptiness. It is full of hazards, crevices, dangerous mirages. But it is also where we will find the heartbeat and the bedrock of our lives, our truest selves, if we are able to sit in it long enough. Thomas Merton taught that to reach this place, we would do well to meditate regularly. In meditation, we do not think. In the words of author and Episcopal priest Martin Smith, we let truth take hold of us and experience it. Meditative prayer is receptive. It is an active receptivity in which we allow the spirit to lead us into truth so that the truth can set us free. The other evening, I participated in a dusk hour, owl, hour, owl walk in the vast arboretum near my home. Acre upon acre of trees, shrubs, and abounding in animal life that only emerges at dusk. The night was very cold, the ground hard. And as we walked into a stand of ever-darkening evergreens, our guide warned us that we may not see anything at all. I clutched my field glasses, hopefully. I pulled my scarf over my jaw for warmth. The minutes crawled by. The female had already nested, which meant that both she and the male would be very silent so as not to expose their whereabouts to predators. 
I felt anticipatorily cheated. I ought to have come earlier. We trudged. We stopped and scanned the impenetrable pines. A few parents with young children had to keep chastening them to stay quiet. We moved on. Soon the hour was nearly up and we had seen remarkably little. A distant nest site, pigeons perched on boughs for the night. Then suddenly a hoot, a long protracted haunting call from high up in one of the spruces, hushed, secret, as hidden as the male could make his voice sent out to reassure the female that he was still there. The silence of the group was so immediate and absolute. It was as if we had entered a tabernacle. We stood stock still and listened. It was the only thing we could do, was listen. A listening full of reverence and wonder at the revelation of something we could not until that moment have really imagined. A voice from beyond our little limited minds and our busy agendas. A call in the night somehow freed each one of us into the larger possibilities of existence. The hooting grew quiet and we trudged back to our cars with frozen fingertips eager to get home. But the call in the night had entered our hearts. It offered a truth so purely itself, we could not imitate or substitute it with anything else. This is what Smith and Merton and so many others try to describe when they write that if we are able to enter the silence of the desert and with patient faith watch and listen, the truth that dwells there in hiddenness will find us.